Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world with the power of positivity and making suicide a thing of the past. And we are so blessed to be talking with Marlisa Jefferson in this segment. We are going into the world of education and we're going to be talking about a group of children that are sometimes challenging to educate. Every child has their uniqueness that God willing will be addressed in their educational system. But some could use a little more help. So we're gonna talk about that and we're gonna talk about something you can participate in that's really, really cutting edge and could change the world. So hang on, the ride gets more interesting from here. And without further ado, Marlisa, can you join me in the studio? Oh, I'm so excited for this. Here we go. There you are. Hello. Yay. How are you? How are you? I am well. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the power of modern age. All right. So Marlisa Jefferson, you got yourself set? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. I guess that, that's always the, perf the first thing is, can I hear you? Yeah. <laughs> so when so we, oh, honey, you are so welcome. I just really appreciate you making the time to come on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you. <clears throat> so we met and it was in the realm of entrepreneurialism and we ended up talking about education and kids. And yes, my mama was a teacher. And then she became a special ed supervisor. And that was her career until she retired. And so what you are doing and what you understand about what's happening in the world of education just is really important. And so I wanna, I wanna just let you take it away and tell me what is going on? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to talk about the program What's going on is, is that we have Kids Learning Tutorial Services is a company that is relaunching its business to service students who are, um, as you stated, uh, in need of uh, more one-on-one -on -one or personal attention as it, as it relates to their education. And so what we've done is we've created an online course that's entitled Everyday Life Learning Experiences. And this is a beta program that we're utilizing with parents so that parents will also provide input as we construct the class, um, the online course. So these are students who are, uh, let's say, who may not necessarily have their biological parents in their lives and they may have caretakers of the extended family providing the uh, home and the support that they need to um, develop in life. And so as I've indicated before, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, I was just gonna say, and so how big, of a, <laughs> how big of a group is this? Because I'm gonna just claim honest ignorance here. You know, when we're talking about other family members as caregivers of school-aged children, I mean, are we talking a few hundred kids? Who, what are we talking about? Well, we're speaking of uh, perhaps uh, 50 to, well, we'll, we'll say we've, we've, we've created a, a, a survey. Mm -hmm. 
And so what we wanted was we wanted feedback from 50 to 100 uh, parents and uh, as I or caregivers, guardians uh, to provide uh, their their take in uncovering or discovering the three challenges, biggest challenges that are facing them uh, as it relates to education. And so the uh, the uh, survey will help us to identify those three biggest areas of challenges. And then from that, we are developing or creating the course, the beta course. And so it'll be 50 to 100 uh, okay. 50 respondents. 50 to 100 are what you want to participate. And so we're absolutely going to help you with that. But what I'm meaning, Marlies, is how big is the problem? You know, we know what oh, you it's, want it's, to it's, Right. It's it's pretty large, Jackie. It's uh it's it's unfortunately uh is I, I'd say it's 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 maybe what 80% of uh children who are facing uh what facing the absence of the parent due to let's say suicide or drug abuse or um incarceration. So those are the families and the in the um students that we would like to service. Got it. And so it's a huge percentage of the population is actually yes. comes under the heading of an abandoned child. And I wanted to start there with letting people know we're not talking about the kid that was left on the street corner. You know, that kind of abandonment, the one that was left in front of a founding home or an orphanage. I mean, those things all happen. But we're talking about the child who has a parent who's absent, whether it's from incarceration, as you said, or it could be from military service. You know, it's it's not about why the child is in this abandoned category. It's the fact that there are so many children that do fit that description where their biological parents are not available to them for any number of reasons. reasons so, yes. Yeah. So just, I wanted to, to broaden this out so that people understood that, you know, we're not talking about just the ones you would see in the movies. We're talking about the day-to-day -day occurrences in your neighborhood. And these kids need a little bit more from the educational system in order to succeed, but we don't know how much more. Exactly. And as it's, it's unfortunate. I am watching the news, we, we or I, we witness uh, children. Uh, I can re recall an incident last year. Was this such a tragedy? that uh, a mother had planned this outing. It was a picnic with her family of children. She's a mother of seven. She's a mother of seven. And um, she planned this picnic during a summer day. And the um, outing started nicely. The family was enjoying the outing. And um, fortunately, there was a, a basketball game nearby the picnic area and uh, there was an altercation that occurred on the uh, basketball court, which led to a shooting and uh, the mother was inadvertently, she was shot and, uh, and died as a result of the bullet. And uh, there you have the children waking up with a mother and then going to bed without a mother. And so that's what touches me and that's what, what inspires me to 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 want to help and to do what we're doing to help not only the um the, the the children but others the parents that are involved and so now as a result of that fatal 
uh, tragedy, the uh, grandmother is now raising seven of the children, seven children, her grandchildren. And this is the maternal grandmother. So she's dealing with the double whammy, the loss of her daughter and the parent and the responsibility of parenting her grandchildren. So you're right. That's a family in need of support. And it's one of, I'm sure, hundreds of stories. Exactly. So we, I, just a little background. How did you get involved in this very specific field of education? Okay, well, I initially had gone to Wayne State University and uh, my major was in elementary or is in elementary education. I do have a master's degree in, in educational leadership with the certification, uh, with the Michigan teaching certification. And so that's when actually prior to that, I also taught Sunday school. So that led my, uh, my career in terms of uh, teaching and education, teaching and educating students. Uh, nevertheless, following graduation, I landed a job. I also taught overseas during student teaching in Finland. So that was my, um, uh, if you will, student teaching assignment. And it was really nice teaching abroad. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a better perspective in terms of how different countries are educating their students. And so having that experience, as I said before, I started, um, I, I started my um, my education with Wayne State University. And so I worked in the metropolitan area. I had the suburban and urban teaching experience uh, as a result of Wayne State University's student teaching program back in the day. <laughs> and so nevertheless, I've been teaching since uh, 2000. And I actually had a classroom. My very first classroom was with our school I taught with was a charter school housed in Detroit, Michigan or located in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I, when you are fresh out of college and you're teaching, you're so excited. So I volunteered after class to um, work with the students who were in um, need of additional support. And uh, this was strictly volunteer. And there was a student that touched me so because she, and, 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 and this was a math class that I was tutoring after, after uh, school hours. And um, she attempted to solve the math problem identical to a, a classmate of hers. And the route that she started as far as solving this math problem, she the first couple of steps she had correct. Those, those steps were correct in solving the problem. But after she watched her classmate solve th their problem, she attempted to reroute what she was doing to emulate her classmate, which threw her off track. So I thought to myself, I said, well, if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with her, perhaps I can help her develop her math skills in this area that's unique to her learning style and or the steps that she's taking her her, her thought process mm -hmm. and um, that's what led to the, uh, the the after school tutoring and then a light bulb moment hit the aha moment and I thought well wait a minute if I can tutor them after school perhaps I can provide these services one-on-one -on -one and in the home so that's what led to the creation or the development of Kids Learning Tutorial Services in 2000. And uh, she was one of my first students. Yes. 
so that's what led to the uh, the uh, program in 2000 or the uh, the company. Mm-hmm. And after the company, we we worked with students under the No Child Left Behind Act since from 2003 to 2008. And I uh, I'm relaunching the program now to incorporate global learning skills or working with students um, in the home or as I indicated online. Yeah, so we're going to go there and we're going to go back into story for just a minute because your journey from the classroom into this virtual world of tutoring and supporting families is, is such a wonderful testament. And there is no doubt now is the right time because with everyone needing to adapt to this e-learning environment, um, now is the right time for this. Yes. One of the things that I know happens when children are abandoned is a sense of trauma. And the story of the picnic, they're having a picnic and a shot rings out and their mother is hit by the bullet and all the family is there. Yes. So these are kids who not just woke up with a mom and went to bed without one, but they actually witnessed the violence and the senseless violence. This was a random act of violence. And so they had that as well. And this is a family that I know you're working really closely with. So I want to just make sure that we bring this story up to where it is today. How's the family doing? Well, actually, Jackie, this was a a news story that uh, occurred in the Detroit metropolitan area. The family that I'm currently working with is a mother whose grandchild is under her care. However, her biological mother is incarcerated. And so the grandmother sought the services of Kids Learning Tutorial to provide the socio-emotional learning support, which is also, uh, that encompasses the uh, tutoring as well. So she wants, her grandma, she wants her grandchild to not only be able to read by the time she starts kindergarten, she's four, and she'll be five in April, but she also wants her to develop, she wants her to, to her grandchild to be able to express those those um, emotions of mm-hmm. not having her mother present, and so I that's talked where with we you. Started, yeah, that's where we started right. with this whole concept of social emotional learning, and that fact that I didn't know it is now mandated in the United States. Yes. So that's actually really good news. For, for us from our perspective of pure prevention, social emotional learning is absolutely one of the foundational places to go to build mental and emotional resilience. So I don't know, so I'm gonna ask, what is yes. a social emotional learning experience for a kid? Okay, well, for a kid, basically what they are, and I'm, I'm, I'm my area of expertise is not the social emotional or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. However, what the grandmother and I are witnessing is that the student, this four-year-old is, is exhibiting symptoms, uh, symptoms of um, withdrawal from her mom. 
Mm -hmm. And as I expressed to you, it happens at a very young age, whether or not we, we want to acknowledge it. I'm glad that the, uh, the, the uh, federal government has now made it mandated that we um, incorporate the whole child learning approach into the, uh, the uh, curriculum, hence social-emotional learning. So social-emotional learning is equipping the students with the necessary skills to cope with the loss or the emotion that they are, they are dealing with, whether it's homelessness, abandonment by a parent, the death of a friend or of a pet. And so this is what we do. It, 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 it's addressing the academics, the physical emotions of the student, academics, physical emotion, uh, the um, uh, spiritual, if you will, but it's the whole child. It's, it's just not necessarily the education or the academics in which we were focused on before, which were the four core subjects, reading, math, language, arts, social studies. Yeah, what so. we used to call reading, <laughs> writing, arithmetic. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so even though that was spelled wrong, it was how it was how we could remember the core subjects. And then, you know, this bigger world that we live in now, we're, we're expanding our horizons in the educational field. And I'm so glad to hear that. It is such a needed conversation that it is, you can't just stuff information into a kid's head and expect them to be a functioning adult. The skills that they need are way broader than that. So what are the, the purpose, I'm trying to figure out the right way even to ask this because it's such a big topic. So I wanna bring it down to, and to address specifically the needs of the people that are listening to this live. So if you've got a question about this whole education topic and the specific needs of an abandoned child. So back to the abandoned child definition because you brought up some other ways that we can be abandoned. And I think that yes. it's worth highlighting because when we lose a pet, that's abandonment. When a friend moves away, that's abandonment. You know, it's, so it's, it's all of these things come under that heading of, oh crap, they're gone. So it's a form of um, grieving that's not socially yeah. supported. Exactly. And, and, and one thing too, Jackie, I'd like to point out is, is that when students are facing these type of uh, 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 losses, if you will, they're not able to really uh, focus on school. They're not able to actually retain what they are uh, asked to do in the classroom setting. So by incorporating the SEL, social emotional learning, concepts into the curriculum or embedded into the curriculum, it is going to um, help that child to master the particular subject or a topic that they're learning, as well as building that, uh, that skill set to cope with, uh, with the abandonment or whatever the uh, issue is with the loss. Well, you know, that's uh, social. You just said a lie because adults can't function when they're dealing with these kinds of issues. So why do we expect that kids are gonna be able to just buck up and, and you know, ride it out? So the whole conversation 
about we're all abandoned. At some point in time, we've all had a loss. We've each of us, I don't know anybody who hasn't. I mean, at some point we, we tend to outlive our parents. So at some point, you know, we have the parents who are absent. And as a child growing up, my dad was military. So I was in kindergarten and he was shipped out. It, you know, he had been shipped out for short periods of time growing up, but this was Vietnam and my daddy was gone. And it was a very different world. And these are the things that I think if kids can learn to talk about them, because I don't know if anybody else on this call is old enough to remember, but during the Vietnam era, it was not cool to have a dad in the army. I mean, this did not put me into the cool kids club because no one wanted to talk about the war. You know, it was a very um, conflicted, controversial topic. And as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, the war lasted a long time. This put me into an isolated place. Right. And I think that most of us have had this experience, but we don't know how to get out of it. So when it comes to the fact that this is now becoming part of the conversation within education, I love it. I want it to be part of the conversation <laughs> on a bigger scale. Let's talk about this. And so we've got um, a lot of people, if you've got a question about how social emotional learning can come into your world or what it looks like, or actually what works for you as far as working through these things, please pop it into the chat. Let's capture your ideas because this could be worth its weight in gold. So let's talk about the uh, survey that we're gonna give everybody because we want everyone to participate in the survey to help move this further along faster. What, when you all have gathered this knowledge, you're gonna use this knowledge to actually create a program that is specifically designed to address the three key challenges. This is not how most educational programs are built. So I just wanna say, woohoo! I'm excited. So, you know, I mean, what? You're actually going to so teach me what I need? You know, that's pretty yes. cool. That's pretty yes. cool. And so what I wanted to add, too, is, is that it is a four-week program, and uh, the program will help us to develop a learning plan or blueprint specifically designed for that particular child's learning style. And so the parent or the caregiver will be able to uh, utilize this blueprint to keep the schedule or the lessons or keep the child on track with the lessons that the teacher, whether it's online or in the cl traditional classroom setting, on track with their And poof, welcome to the magic of live shows. So while Marlissa is getting herself reconnected, I think that it is time for us to drop this survey into the chat and for everyone to be able to grab this link and it will be in the show notes. So if you're watching this, don't worry, we got you covered with this as well. The idea of taking the time and actually I'm gonna make a bigger request. 
please grab the link and share it. Share it out with people who have kids, especially if you know that they are helping raise kids that they are not the biological parents of. Please share the survey with them. It is the most powerful way to be a part of making a difference. If we know the specific challenges that a child is dealing with, then we can tailor solutions directly to those challenges. So grab the survey, take extra care with it and share it with those that you know. So the survey is gonna gather this information and it is all about information. What are learning styles? By the way, what are learning styles? Oh, learning styles, they're the four that we focus on according to the survey. You have the uh, kinesthetic in which a child learns by touching or body movement. You have audio, hearing, the student, um, some students are attuned to listening or hearing, uh, they learn through that. You have visual learners. And so with those, uh, students are able to, uh, again, pinpoint, not pinpoint, but the parents are able to identify exactly uh, the learning style of their particular child. And so the lessons will be geared towards that child's learning style, whether it's audio, uh, visual, or kinesthetic. Okay, so there are three main learning styles. Okay. Yes. All right, so out of the three main learning styles, what are you all finding? Are there any that are more predominant right now? Right now, uh, many students are, um, actually there are four too, Jackie, excuse me, there are four. Um, according to the survey, there are four. But right now I'm so nervous, I can't remember the fourth one. <laughs> but nevertheless. Okay. Uh, pop back we, up. We, we know what this is like. So, so take so, a breath. Uh, Stress management, number one, take a deep breath. Yes. <laughs> and and so, when we're talking about learning styles, what's so- Visual, visual learners too. Well, we so what's so important about knowing a learning style? What would be different? Well, what, what, what differs is, is that um, a parent may be prone to teaching a child who learns well by uh, listening. Well, let's use the student that we are, that we're working with now. Okay. This student are so rambunctious, you know, many kids are very rambunctious, but the child enjoys movement. She enjoys touching and running and, and, and um, just enjoys the, the, the movement. And, and so we may have uh, asked that the child sit and write or sit and, and uh, listen, which is fine too. But in terms of retention, the student, as I said before, we realize that the student has and enjoys the lessons when uh, this particular student is actually moving, moving around and touching the- uh, So they're kinesthetic the, the, uh, learners based on what you just described. Right. She's a kinesthetic learner. Mm -hmm. So incorporating something like um, finger painting, or um, yes. as a way, even as a, as a way to just recreate the um, yep. recreate the notes, recreate the the subject matter. 
using something that they can, got it. All right. So I'm, I'm sort of starting to figure this out here. Um, Katie popped in that it's visual, auditory, verbal, Audio. and kinesthetic. Verbal, yes. Verbal. And kinesthetic, okay. yes. Now that's verbal. Cool. And we're, then we're talking. <laughs> My goodness. I would, I didn't know that. That's why I was like, there are four? Because I'd heard of three. There are I'm a verbal learner. I hear myself say things. I didn't, I never even knew that was a category. Holy crap, I know who I yes. am. Because I, everybody who tried to put <laughs> me into one of those three boxes, I'm like, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm all three. The truth is yes. that I'm really a verbal. This is a real challenge in a classroom if you've got a verbal learner. Because they need to talk. Yes. And so... Not only that, but you have, keep in mind now, you have a classroom full of diverse students who learn differently. And so this is where we would need to incorporate differentiated teaching. And so with differentiated teaching, you are addressing the whole class, but you are touching points in each learning style, whether it's verbal, <laughs> visual, audio, or kinesthetic. So the lessons must entail all four types of learning styles in the traditional classroom setting and I believe online as well. And so uh, the, the purpose of the survey is again to help the parent or the guardian identify their child's learning style. Cool. That's really, really useful information. Let's make it real. Okay. I want everyone to um, have the experience of the talk about suicide, you know, that's the bedrock of the teen suicide prevention movement is this is one place that we know we can make a difference. So I've got a script. Now, when I, well, this morning, when, when I recorded a video about it, that appeals to the verbal, not, no, not to the verbal, that appeals to the visual. No, nope, that appeals to the auditory. Okay. They can hear and the audio. Yeah. Right. And so when I give them the document, that would appear uh, appeal to the visual. So so now I've got the auditory and the visual. How would I get the verbal and well, I guess it would appeal to the verbal because it is a talk. It is a conversation that right. they are going to have. All right. So I got three out of four. For the fourth one, how would I get kinesthetic into this? How would I get movement into people having this talk other than no? How would I get move? How would I do this? Okay. I I would uh, venture to have that child, uh, let's say, act out, role play, oh. if you will, a particular scenario in terms of um, of uh, the teen suicide role play and then by role playing they are actually delving into the sel the social emotional learning because then they are able to express through their body and role playing uh, this scene of what they are feeling how are they going to approach the matter or how will they handle the matter um, with elementary students, though, I find it uh, effective to have them draw and then maybe label the pictures, color the pictures. And so um, Got it. with the child that we worked with, 
we actually, there was an assignment in which we were working and um, the student was able to talk with the mother and uh, she hung up. I'm, I'm just giving you another story. Mm -hmm. So this story, this is the true story. This has actually happened uh, during a lesson and the student um, intentionally disconnected the call at four. And <laughs> so she, and she's, and, and believe it, children now are so uh, um, uh, computer literate to this, uh, with a four-year-old. You hand them a phone, they're able to log into YouTube, their favorite cartoon. And, and so the student was used to this particular device. And so she knows how to use the, her, her grandmother's cell phone and talking with her, her, her mom. And what she opted to do was disconnect the call. So right away, the mother and I realized that the student is building this wall, um, this barrier, a barrier, if you will, between her and her mom. So she's exhibiting through her actions, the resentment maybe she's feeling with not having her mother there and not wanting to say it directly, but that's a strong act to intentionally hang up the phone or disconnect the call. So when her mom and I realized, her grandmother, excuse me, realized that she'd done this, I thought, I said, okay, well, let me, we had just done an assignment in terms of a family. And I said, well, draw your family. And then I want you to label the family. I had her tell me verbally who her family members were. She identified her mom, her grandmother, her cousin, and herself. And I said, okay, well, draw the picture, label the picture. And so when she, when she was finished drawing, she left out her mom. Mm -hmm. So that was another indication that she's building this wall. And um, at that point, the, the grandmother and I talked and thought that it would be best if she would uh, be able to have visitation rights via Zoom online, because this, of course this happened during the pandemic. And uh, she's doing beautifully now. She's communicating with her mom as a result of having these Zoom meetings or Zoom calls with her mom. So it was and so that, that she could see them. Exactly. And actually talk with the mom and run and show her mom the Christmas gifts that she received. So there's the kinesthetics. <laughs> Got it. And, and so so that's easier was, to do on Zoom where you can actually see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. the, the kinesthetic yeah. zoom is a, a visual learners zoom is great for and the kinesthetic learners zoom would also be great for because it allows for more movement i mean for me it's great i mean because i stand you know i i never sit during my shows and so yes. you know i i like having that movement and and four-year-olds moving is their natural state even if it's not specifically no. their learning style Yes. Now with her basics so that we can and, and, and include the learning aspects. We talked about the social emotional piece, but mm -hmm. now with the learning of uh, preparing the student to read, uh, she has flashcards with basic sight words. And so the grandmother had the cards. We did this during a lesson. And so the grandmother, I love her. She's very involved with her grandchild, extremely involved. And we appreciate and value uh, parents' uh, parental input and feedback. And so, uh, so the grandmother uh, had the face, the uh, flashcards face down. And so the child would go and the grandmother would say, okay, find the word and. 
And so she would, once she turned the card over and she identified it, she would run and hand it to her grandmother. So it was nice. And then we extended it to having her form sentences using the flashcards of the words that she found. But yeah, that's a form of, the, of kinesthetics and preparing the student to read uh, by the time she starts kindergarten by identifying her basic sight words for pre-K. Yeah, and for a child who's not a visual learner, learning to read can be such a struggle. And yet I know from the initiatives that I've been involved in or heard about here, that a child who falls behind on reading often falls behind in many areas of their life for a lot of their life. So it is an absolute you know, required skill to manage yes. life for many, many people. Now, granted, there are other ways to manage life that don't require reading, but it's easier if you can read. Yes, and actually there is a movement there is an initiative that uh, is it, it's it's enacted by the federal government too, and Michigan is also following through with preparing kids to read um, prior to kindergarten, prior to starting kindergarten. And so, uh, a part of that movement or initiative, if you will, is to prepare the student. There are all types of programs to prepare the student to read before they start the the kindergarten. And so uh, they are expected to know their name, their alphabets, uh, basic sight words. It's changed before. so much. Um, yes. You know, because it was, you sent your kid to kindergarten and that's where they learned to start to read. And exactly. now there's a different expectation. And I love the initiatives that are coming out because one of them was a parent who does not read can still help their child read just by helping their child learn to track with their eyes from top to bottom and from left to right if they're in this culture. That just learning the eye movement is a very powerful skill, mm -hmm. even if the parent makes up the words, you know, makes up the story, but to have the kid just track from top to bottom and left to right actually improves their ability to learn to read which was a great boon for parents who do not read themselves. You know, we yes. saw, we, we actually, what they witnessed was parents so excited, they jumped up and ran out of the meeting to go home and read a story with their kids because they had never been able to do that before. Nobody yes. had given them a new set of rules. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, so we empowering the parent and whether it's the biological parent or the other, you know, another parent, empowering the parent figure in a child's life to be able to say, you can do this. Um, with my own children, alphabets were learned while we were moving because we moved often. And yes. we learned alphabets in the car with sign language because this would mm -hmm. keep them occupied. And so apparently I still remember them because I can do them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but it was, it was a, and I didn't even think about it. Well, I didn't have the knowledge to know that there was such a thing as kinesthetic learning. I just needed to keep kids in the back seat occupied. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is a lovely thing. I am so excited about what is changing in the educational world and the, People who say that, that we've lost so much in these current ages, we've also gained so much.
because what we've gained is the video phones that were promised to us in science fiction books and on Dick Tracy's radio watch, you know, decades and generations ago, we now have this technology. This will help bridge the gap for many people. And I think that bringing this conversation to the forefront of education is right in alignment with our idea of pure prevention. We can't prevent people from being abandoned. Abandonment is part of life because at some point we all lose someone we care about for some reason. It's just, this is life. What we can do though, is build the mental and social, mental and emotional resilience so that it doesn't leave us feeling labeled. And that's a beautiful thing about what you're doing. So the chat has the three biggest challenges facing pre-K to 12 education survey and kids learning style survey. So everyone, please grab that out of the chat, grab it out of the show notes, participate. And I don't care if you're watching this live <laughs> or if you're watching this and time has passed since this episode went up. I want you to still participate. Why? Because learning never ends. Learning never ends. And, and the pandemic has, has placed parents in the forefront of actually uh, uh, teaching their child, their child now or children. And so uh, we are all in this together as far as educating and supporting the, uh, the child, the abandoned child or you know all children at this point. So there we go. thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. I am so delighted that you are here and that you brought all of this and that you have something so engaging that people can participate in that could make a huge difference going forward in this arena of education. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie. Everybody, hang on. The ride gets more interesting from here.